the foods we eat are a source to the oral bacteria and the mouth bad bacteria that cause this periodontal disease they like acidic environments they like anaerobic environments they want to hide down in the gum tissue and so the more the mouth stays acidic the more unhealthy it is as well as the more it stays uh, the drier it is the more unhealthy and that's all affected by our diet Hello and welcome. Today we have Dr. Craig D. Clayton, who is a dentist located in Meridian, Idaho, with a total wellness approach to dental health. With an emphasis in prevention, Dr. Clayton does everything he can to help his patients and his followers on social media to not only save their teeth, but also deliver longer life by caring for their oral health. He is the only biomimetic dentist in the state of Idaho, which is a form of dentistry that is less invasive, uses materials that mimic the natural tooth structure, and has better long-term results. He and his wife opened their dental practice, Restoration Dentistry, in December 2022 and started growing their social media following from scratch. They now have over 60,000 followers on Instagram, 160,000 followers on Facebook, and 31,000 followers on TikTok. The message Dr. Clayton is most known for is that cavities are actually caused by a curable disease called dental caries disease and that you can get cavity free for good. In his free time, Dr. Clayton enjoys multi-day backpacking trips, coaching the high school mountain bike team, backpacking with his wife and two boys aged three and five, and dreaming of ways to shift the profession of dentistry. So I found Dr. Clayton while zooming through Insta Reels way too late at night, and I just loved his presence and how he goes about educating individuals on the internet about their oral health. And diving deeper and deeper and deeper into um, gut microbiome and how to really benefit the, the gut long term, a lot of the work I end up working on with clients to improve their overall gut care is their overall mouth care. And so when I found Dr. Clayton's work, I was really, really excited. I reached out to him. And we had a conversation, we really jived and we were like, we got to get you on the show. And so today's interview, we are covering some personal points about who he is, what he does, why he's lit up by this work. Then we spent a good amount of time on dentistry, on understanding how the foods we eat, the diet we choose affects our overall oral health, why balanced oral health is so important for the rest of the body and the impacts of this, why dentists aren't talking about this, how to find a dentist. We get into how to heal from cavities and what's actually going on in, on in a cavity. We talk about root canals. We talk about fluoride. We talk about issues in dentistry and insurance. It is just an all-around great conversation and if you are just going for cleanings or you're not, or you're just dealing with oral issues and you're not really sure where to turn, I hope today's episode will light a little fire under your belly in regards to how you can care for your oral health with some really, really simple, simple ways and things you can just shift to help your overall health. So if you want to learn more from Dr. Clayton, his Instagram is restoration.dentistry. And in the show notes, I'll include some links to some of his free mini guides and such because you'll definitely want to check those out. Okay, let's cut over to today's interview. 
Hey, my name is Leanne Vogel. I'm fascinated with helping women navigate how to eat, move, and care for their bodies using a low-carb diet. I'm a small-town holistic nutritionist turned three-time international best-selling author turned functional medicine practitioner offering telemedicine services around the globe to women looking to better their health and stop second-guessing themselves. I'm here to teach you how to wade through the wellness noise to get to the good stuff that'll help you achieve your goals. We're supporting your low-carb life beyond the if-it-fits-your-macros conversation. Hormones, emotions, relationship to your body, workouts, letdowns, motivation, blood work, detoxing, metabolism. I'm providing the tools to put your motivation into action. Think of it like quality time with your bestie mixed with a little med school so you're empowered at your next doctor visit. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn about your body and how to care for it better. This is the Keto Diet Podcast. Hey, Dr. Clayton, how's it going? Great. Good morning. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so, so glad that we could get you on the show to talk about oral health. I am so pumped about today's episode. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. Of course, of course. So I like to ask all guests because I just started off with your official bio and kind of going into the details about your business and what you do. But I'd love to hear in your own words, like what lights you up and what got you involved in this work? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, working to shift the dental industry back to a place of of healing and addressing the root cause of problems rather than just treating symptoms. I feel like dentistry, we've gotten so far away from actually focusing on oral disease. And we've, as a whole, focused a lot more on fixing teeth, treating tartar, as I call it, um, and not actually getting people back to full oral health, um, especially with the education component. There's just a lot of things missing. So when I was in dental school, I just didn't feel very aligned with what I was doing. Uh, In fact, I'm just getting straight into the story here. Go for it. (laughs) I I almost dropped out year two. Um, It just, I was not into it. And I miss being outside. Uh, You know, I I felt like I lived inside with all the, the coursework that we had. It was very intensive. And I decided to stick it out and, you know, thought, okay, I could get out, pay off my loan, and then I can shift gears and do something else. But thank you to Instagram. I actually, that's how I start finding these other niches of dentistry of, of, of people that were doing what I had kind of philosophized about, but they were, they were already doing it. So that path was there. So as I started to learn more about what they were doing, I started to pick up speed and develop a passion for, for oral health care and dentistry that I had not known before. Uh, and so that now fast forward to where we are now. We're, we're building a practice that is focused on that prevention and treating the cause of symptoms, getting patients truly healthy, treating them in a more holistic, comprehensive approach. And then what we hope to do is to be able to roll that out to other practices and help other people, other doctors implement that in their own practices by supporting them, giving them materials, whatever we need to do. And hopefully 10, 20 years from now, we'll be able to look at the dental oral healthcare world and hopefully see a big shift back to our roots uh, as being 
healers rather than just tooth technicians. Yes. Uh, what were some of the heavier feelings? Like when you were in school, you mentioned being inside all the time. Were there parts of the curriculum where you were thinking like, this just doesn't, this just doesn't land well with me? What were some of those key, if you can remember those key things that just didn't land well, that made, it sounds like it made you discouraged while you were learning. What were some of those? Do you remember what those were? Yeah, there, there was a, there was a real disconnect. I've, I've, I really enjoyed the school I went to and I, I, my professors, I had great professors. I've loved the hard sciences. So getting into dental school and going through more biology, anatomy, physiology, pathology, pharmacology, all the ologies. And I really enjoyed that aspect. And they, our school really preached, you know, evidence-based dentistry, practice evidence-based dentistry. Yet we were treating periodontal disease the same as it had been treated for decades uh, we were doing, we were learning how to cut down teeth for crowns and for fillings and other things in the same way that had been done for decades. So there was this disconnect in my brain between evidence-based dentistry and conservative dentistry and what they were actually teaching us to do. And then there was no real ladder in between to say, hey, the, the oral systemic link, there's, you know, the, the mouth is putting the rest of the body at risk, but then they're not teaching us, you know, really what what does that look like? And what can we do about it? It was just, there's a neural systemic link. And the, okay, well, what do we do about it? And then, you know, crickets. So I, and, you know, it's possible I could have missed it in the hundreds of credit hours, but I don't think so because that would have stuck out to me because that's what I was looking for. Completely. And you guys have done such a great job in your Instagram. I've been following you guys for quite some time and just really sharing ideas that probably a lot of us haven't heard before. And we're going to kind of get into some of those details in today's episode, just kind of breaking the mold of the, what we're thinking about dentistry. And I'm really excited to get into this. But before we do, I want to ask you a couple of, well, maybe just one question on your keto diet experience, because you're on the keto diet podcast and you have a history of doing this, but it didn't really work out so great for you. Can you share kind of what happened and where you feel you went wrong with that and kind of what you're doing now personally when it comes to diet? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm pretty, tr pretty transparent, honest with this, but I uh, suffered from, struggled with disordered eating from about 2011 to 2017. Uh, so I became really obsessed with running um, and really obsessed with eating clean. I mean, grocery store, it, it really became an obsessive compulsive uh, kind of behavior. So I would spend, you know, grocery store trip would take me three to four hours because I was turning over the label of everything. And then I felt immense anxiety about food choices. Uh, and then I felt very restrictive with eating and eating clean and eating. Um, and at first it was low fat because I was afraid of fat because I was buying into all the marketing and programming that, that grips our country as far as, you know, I don't have to explain that to any of you here. Yeah. Uh, but then I switched to the other side when I le learned more about it to focus on that more high fat, um, high protein. But anyways, it, it was really unhealthy. I spent a lot of time thinking about what I was eating. Like, when did I eat last? When should I eat next? I'm hungry, but I no, I shouldn't eat yet. I just ate two hours ago. I need to wait. And that internal dialogue. So I had to get help and start to take a step back. And now fast forward to the present, I've learned to find kind of a middle ground between, you know, the evidence, the science of, of the ketogenic diet and high fat, high protein, 
but then also relax some of my standards around other foods like cookies, for example, or, you know, things like that, because I got to such an unhealthy place. So I know I'm more likely to shift back to that. So it's still a journey, still learning to find that happy medium between where I was and where I am now and where I would like to be uh, in my relationship with food. That's amazing. And I'm sure with all of the time spent in that disordered pattern, now having the time to dedicate to helping others, really that shift is so important for many individuals to go through. And so I'm happy that you're through all of that. I've personally been through that. It's absolutely terrible. And that you can have that balance because that's really what it's all about. And I'm just really happy that you came through that. There was there was a piece that you mentioned just a little bit ago about mouth is putting the rest of the body at risk. Can you tell us what you mean by that? Because that might be a brand new, what do you even mean the mouth is putting the rest (laughs) of the body at risk? Explain more about this. That's a great question. So a huge body of current evidence suggests that the bacteria found in the mouth that are drivers of inflammation get into the bloodstream through inflamed gums that bleed more easily. And that bacteria is found, for example, P. gingivalis, secretes a toxin called gingipanes. And that bacteria is found in the brain of patients that die from Alzheimer's dementia. Uh, And a concentration of gingipanes, that toxin, um, as well as that bacteria. So there's a strong association there. Also, those oral bacteria that cause inflammation in the mouth are found at the sites where uh, blood clots uh, dislodge that then for, you know, cause heart attacks and strokes. So now it's estimated that up to 50% of heart attacks and strokes are actually triggered by oral bacteria. And so there's a saying that we have in in this kind of realm of dentistry that the plaque on the teeth leads to plaque in the arteries because these bacteria are really good at building, creating hard buildup on the teeth. So why can't they take the same building blocks like calcium in the blood and then do the same thing in the arteries and inflamed areas? So That's those are two examples. And I'm I'm leading up to, do you think that maybe diet also could contribute? Like I would imagine the amount of carbohydrates or fat or protein, even like the, the balance of our macros, could that affect our overall oral health, depending on whether or not we have certain bacterias? Absolutely. Because those, the foods we eat are a source to the oral bacteria and the mouth, bad bacteria that cause this periodontal disease they like acidic environments. They like anaerobic environments. They want to hide down in the gum tissue. And so the more the mouth stays acidic, the more unhealthy it is, as well as the more it stays, uh, the drier it is, the more unhealthy. And that's all affected by our diet. For example, um, refined carbohydrates and a lot of carbohydrates at large um, will cause the mouth to become more acidic sometimes very acidic versus foods like animal proteins, fats, nuts, do not, they maintain the pH of the mouth and then help to maintain a a healthy microbiome. Wow. When we were talking a while back, you were talking about how, and I don't exactly remember what it was in regards to, but something about like the carbohydrate breakdown in our mouths is so much more prominent now than it was 15 or 20 years ago. I remember you saying this stat and it really struck me of um, your body is breaking down foods in your mouth. Can you, I can't exactly remember. Do you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Yes. There's, there's a whole camp of scientists that 
like in any field study our oral health today and how our system functions today compared to, you know, hundreds of years ago based on skeletal remains and DNA. So pre-industrial revolution, humans ate a greater diet or their greater diet included foods that were not refined and soft, uh, right? And, And not as much carbohydrates. And so there wasn't as much need for the body to produce enzymes to break down these carbohydrates, which this starts in the mouth, this digestion starts in the mouth. So looking at skeletal remains of amylase, which is this enzyme that breaks down carbohydrates in the mouth and then continues in the gut, uh, there were amylase concentration in in, in these skeletal remains in these our ancestors 200 years ago is significantly lower than they are today. In fact, one of my scientist friends says that some of the estimates are that the amylase today in our mouths is a thousand times higher than it was 200 years ago. So as soon as any carbohydrate hits the mouth, it just starts, the mouth just starts breaking it down very effectively because of that shift in our primary fuel source to a very carbohydrate rich, um, especially refined diet. And what is that amylase? Like, why is it terrible to have it super high? So it's, it's really, it's an essential enzyme. We have, we need it to break down um, carbohydrates, whether it's complex chains or, or whatever it is. So it's important, but the problem is with the oral environment, especially as related to caries disease, which causes cavities, is it makes that simple carbohydrate, simple sugar available very quickly, which then feeds pathogenic or disease causing bacteria in the mouth. Uh, and so, I mean, you can eat a bell pepper, or you can eat, you know, uh, any any vegetable produce that you would think, oh, you know, this is healthy, especially vegetable as opposed to a fruit. And it doesn't matter, you know, amylase doesn't discriminate. It will a carb is a carb, it, you know, sugar is a sugar, and it will break that down very effectively. Uh, and so then that plays into the more frequently that happens during the day, the more we're feeding those bad bacteria that can cause disease in the mouth. Okay, so what you're saying is the amylase is increased, the carbohydrates trigger it, then the bacteria is fed, and the bacteria are the ones causing the plaque. Did I get that right? So bacteria are, it, it's kind of a symbiotic so the food that we eat, especially more refined foods, leads to more plaque buildup on the teeth quicker. I like to use the example if you eat, you know, if you go out and eat, I don't know, a bag of candy or even like a handful of candy, you'll, your teeth will feel fuzzy afterwards. They kind of feel sticky, fuzzy. Fuzzy, that's a great word. Yes. Right? But if you go out and eat a meal of like, you know, you eat steak and greens and potatoes or whatever, that's something we eat a lot of here in Idaho. That's very potatoes, yeah. potatoes kind of area. Uh, and then you fill your teeth with your tongue afterwards. They're not going to feel fuzzy. And so we always have a biofilm or a plaque on our teeth, but there's different kinds. I mean, a healthy biofilm and microbiome actually helps to create balance in the mouth because we need those There's over 700 plus different kinds of bacteria in the mouth and we need them. But when we're feeding them and creating a bad plaque buildup on the teeth, then that's feeding an unhealthy microbiome and and shifting to a state of imbalance. Life is a never ending hustle bustle, right? No matter how hard we try to just juggle things like responsibilities, endless to-do lists, it seems like it's impossible to live without overwhelm. Although I do try my best by saying no to a lot more things than most people, 
it's still, when we are stressed, it's affecting our overall well-being, our sleep, our productivity, our immune system, and our magnesium level. So here's what happens. This is the vicious stress magnesium deficiency cycle. Stress strikes, our body loses magnesium, sleep becomes elusive, energy and production plummet, stress then skyrockets, and more magnesium escapes your body. And we just go in this loop. Out of all minerals that I test in my clients, magnesium and potassium are the two ones that are just deficient in most people. I don't think I've ever seen a hair tissue mineral analysis or chatted with an individual that had a good magnesium level, including myself. So when I determined that I was pretty dang low in magnesium, I tried all the things. I looked to magnesium glycinate and magnesium taurate and magnesium malate. And these are all really good forms, but an individual process just isn't going to cut it. When I switched over to Bioptimizer's magnesium breakthrough, oh man, was it a game changer? Now, magnesium breakthrough contains all seven forms of magnesium, which might support stress management by promoting muscle relaxation, regulating the nervous system, controlling stress hormones, enhancing brain function, boosting energy, and improving sleep. So me personally, I take four capsules a day. I would highly suggest starting off with like two capsules at bedtime and just watch it work. I would encourage you to just give it a shot and break free of this vicious, ridiculous magnesium deficiency cycle. And the great thing is, is that Bioptimizers has a risk-free 365-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't see results, tell them you hate it and simply get a refund. No questions asked. It's a win-win. So if you go to magbreakthrough.com slash keto diet and use the code keto diet 10, you'll get 10% off anything that you order for a limited time only, and you'll receive some special gifts with your purchase. So if you go to magbreakthrough.com slash keto diet, use the code keto diet 10, that's one zero, you can get 10% off any order. Okay. And you mentioned soft foods previously. You said refined carbohydrates and soft foods. What's a, what's a soft food? What do you mean? <laughs> Anything that doesn't require much chewing. Okay. 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 That's hard for me to like Twinkies. Would that be considered sure. a soft food? I mean, okay. Twinkies, even like boiled potatoes or, or roasted foods. And they're not, you know, I'm very careful with this. I don't believe in absolutely eliminating, restricting but our ancestors spent a lot more time chewing than we do. And as a result, and this is pretty well established as a, as a result, humans, you know, for example, in Westernized societies have to get their wisdom teeth out. They have crowding, they snore, they have underdeveloped mid and, and lower thirds of the faces because, then the theory is because they're not spending enough time chewing and using those muscles that help encourage proper jaw development. And that's why if we look at societies and, and, and this tie has been, uh, so it's, there's been some, uh, some studies of people that, you know, live in a uh, non-Westernized community that eat a very more primitive or just pre-industrialized diet. So they spend a lot more time chewing, eating more raw foods, more chewy foods, and they have proper jaw development. They don't have airway problems. They don't snore. They have room for all 32 of their teeth, which are all the teeth, including the wisdom teeth. They have straight teeth. And you can follow a first generation that leaves that community and goes into a westernized world. 
their offspring in that next generation will have crowding, will have decreased room for teeth. So they go from this extreme of, of no disease, you know, no problem with airways, no problem with space and lower face development to big problems in one generation. And the only thing that's changed there is a westernized diet. Wow. Wow. It's really fascinating. You're saying I could have saved thousands of dollars on Invisalign twice in two rounds of braces. <laughs> yeah. You, by just getting proper, spending enough time chewing. And there are things we can do now because that can be hard, right, to adapt. So there are appliances, for example, Myobrace is one that was developed by a doctor in Australia that helps to encourage proper tongue posture, soft tissue posture, and encourage proper growth from a young age so that we don't have to radically change you know, our kids' diets, which can be hard. So this is a bit more accessible than radical changes, especially if that's not right for the family. So for example, our, our little boy is in one and he's five and he wears it every night. And that it is helping to encourage proper growth and development. Wow. And, and that's really what you said at the beginning of understanding the root cause instead of just, oh, well, we'll give him braces when he's 13. It's like, well, what's happening that this is occurring and how can we get to the root cause of this? So that is phenomenal. Now, you mentioned a little bit about biofilm. You mentioned biofilm on the teeth and it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, the biofilm then, I guess, depends on a couple of factors, probably one being diet. Are there other factors that affect the biofilm on the teeth? That fuzzy feeling versus the smooth feeling? Yeah, absolutely. So diet's the big one as far as like uh, buildup and then also how much it's removed. So, you know, hygiene habits are important. Brushing, flossing, that's a mechanical removal of the plaque, which helps to discourage an unhealthy biofilm because it's giving the, the good bacteria opportunity to recolonize and keep a, um, a balanced environment. But when the, out, when the mouth, when we eat too much or too frequently and too many acidic or acid-producing acid foods or foods that make our mouth more acidic, as well as mouth breathing, you know, then there's genetics. It's these bacteria transmissible. So if your partner has an unhealthy biofilm, um, that is can be transferred over to the partner. So all those factors are are things that we have to consider. And that's also why it's so important to keep kids healthy and reduce sharing, especially if a parent gets more cavities, is more prone to gingival inflammation. That is all that can all be passed on to the children. And it's theorized at about 10 to 12 years old, where kids start to hit puberty is where that biofilm in the mouth, that microbiome gets set. So if they have, if they're struggling with inflammation and cavities as a, as a kid, as a child, when they go through puberty, if we've not gotten into a healthy point, then they're going to be fighting that likely their whole life. Wow. I never took this seriously until my husband had chronic H. pylori and continued to give it to me like once every month. And there's nothing like an oral bacteria like that that's transmitted orally that is so painful for some individuals where I was like, wait a minute, this is a big deal. We need to address this. And it's interesting to see something like H. pylori because it happens so quickly. And you can tell, especially in an individual like myself, that responds really poorly to it. But in the case of some of these issues, they probably don't present themselves immediately. And so there isn't that like quick act on this kind of demeanor about it. 
Now, I guess one of the things I see a lot in my practice working in functional medicine is individuals not taking oral health seriously. It's kind of like this as a Canadian, I grew up getting cleanings every six months. This is what we did. We went to the dentist, we got a cleaning, we were part, we, we had a cleaning program and the whole, the whole thing. I find in other countries, that's not really the case. And people kind of deprioritize dental work and oral health uh, requirements. What are your thoughts on a cleaning schedule? Like if we are maintaining our oral health properly, do we need cleanings? Do we not? What are your thoughts on like scaling and cleaning overall? Yeah, this is totally dependent on the person. So that's something I'm passionate about in my practice is it's not a one size fits all. You get a six month cleaning, you get a three month cleaning. It's we look at the bacterial results from our saliva um, tests and we look at how fast um, patients build biofilm, what's how much inflammation do they have? And then from there, we create a customized plan. So for some people, they may not need to come in, but once a year. But for others, they may need to come in every three months. It just depends on the individual. And honestly, for some, I've seen some patients that haven't been in for five, 10 years that have very little buildup on their teeth and, and sometimes little inflammation. So it's, you know, the, the, the goal for me is to get patients to a point of zero bleeding, zero inflammation in the mouth, and then to reevaluate. And if they come back six months and things look great, and we stretch that out to a year and everything looks great, I have no problem with, you know, I'm not focused on dollar amount of like, let's get these people in twice a year so we can collect for treatment. It's no, we're just treating people objectively. Like what do they need? I'm not going to recommend anything that they don't need. Uh, So that is a hard part. And, you know, most of my patients that come in, most of my new patients need inflammation treatments. Very few are healthy. And this is typically absence of pain. Um, They feel fine. They've never been told they have inflammation in the mouth. And so then they're surprised. But that's one of the one of the false stories that's kind of false narratives in dentistry is that okay if nothing's hurting me then there's not a problem which is totally not the case because you can have bleeding gums inflammation that's putting the rest of your body at risk because those bacteria are going other places uh but you could feel fine same with cavities you could have a bunch of cavities forming tooth decay from unhealthy biofilm it's not going to hurt till to the nerve and then you can either get a root canal treatment for the tooth or you can get it extracted. So like, you know, people with oral health care, we need to get people to understand that it's just like the rest of their body. They need to be proactive in taking care of themselves, especially with the current diet at large, um, because that's, you know, that's a big change that is tightly associated, right? Or tightly correlates with the changes that we're seeing in oral health, you know, these, these dietary modifications. Completely, completely. I know my oral health completely transformed when I started eating a lower carb, higher fat, higher protein. We talked about this previously, but I would get a cavity at least once a year. Every time I went to the dentist, I would have a cavity. And now it's been, I think my last one was the first year that I went keto. And I remember the first dental appointment. I had seen my dentist for years and years and years, and I had been on a ketogenic diet for six months. 
And my dentist looked at my mouth. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing. I'm brushing. I'm flossing. I'm doing everything you're telling me. He's like, your mouth is completely different. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. And we started talking. I'm like, well, I get, I'm doing the ketogenic diet. He's like, well, that's not it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, so fast forward a bunch of years. I'm like, no, I was definitely not eating all the sugar and the carbs and all the things and changing my water quality and all, all the things that I was doing. So yeah, I can, I can fully back that, that statement up completely. There was something you said, inflammation treatments. Can you talk about what that is and what you mean by inflammation treatments? Yeah, absolutely. And just to speak to that point with uh, just dietary, I mean, that's, I love that. Yeah, that's what we're eating is influencing our body. Like humans had a much higher rate of, of tooth decay and tooth loss after the, you know, westernized diet after these dietary changes. And I mean, you can look at 50s, 60s when, you know, that was taken out of products and corn syrup was added to everything. Uh, there were real consequences. You know, that's why fluoride was introduced. And that's a whole nother controversial topic. We might, <laughs> but, we might, we might get there. <laughs> okay. Maybe. <laughs> cool. So uh, inflammation treatment. So we're looking at the bacteria panel of these patients that are coming in. And when they come back for their cleaning appointments, if they have enough bleeding and they have enough pocketing forming around the teeth, which is a sign of disease where those bacteria are creating these deep pockets in the gum tissue to hide down inside, then our hygienists go over a custom treatment plan with them. They, you know, they, for example, they'll say, okay, uh, P. gingivalis responds well to an oxidizer. So we're going to introduce a mouth rinse temporarily that has an oxidant in it to be able to reduce these levels of bacteria. So everything's short term, uh, but then that inflammation, we're treating that inflammation very specifically. And then we're using technologies in our practice, in our clinic here to remove biofilm more effectively. So using a, a system developed by a Swiss company that really removes that 100% of the biofilm much more effectively than anything else that we have in dentistry. And I'm the only one in Idaho that has this system. And I'm really proud of that and really excited to be able to offer that to patients and really hope that I can get other doctors on board. But that's, we want to shift the biofilm, the microbiome, get patients healthy, eliminate inflammation, which is we objectively measure by looking at bleeding and color and texture of the gum tissue and then get them to the point where they don't need any oral products. I mean, honestly, a healthy mouth doesn't need toothpaste, doesn't need rinses. All you need is a mechanical removal of biofilm plaque from the teeth, you know, every 12 hours, because that's when the biology the on a micro uh, level 12 hours is when the, the biofilm starts to become too established and is more likely to become pathogenic. And so that's when we want to remove that biofilm. So anyways, like you shouldn't need products like Procter & Gamble are selling a bunch of crap that doesn't do anything that's actually harmful and is keeping people in this loop of, of really using products that are more negative than they are beneficial. Yes. And that really takes me to my next question. Brushing, flossing, tips on management of that at all? Yeah. So brushing, I like the, the Oral-B spin brush, electric toothbrush, only soft, extra soft heads. I like that because it does the work for you. You don't have, you don't need to brush side to side. You just hold that brush against the teeth and, uh, and tilt it slightly towards the gums. 
and you just run that along your teeth um, and let that do all the work. And that clinically in studies has been shown to be more effective than a manual toothbrush and even slightly more effective than a Sonicare. Uh, so that's excellent. Floss, I like Coca Floss. It's a woven, thicker floss. It expands in the gum tissue and guarantee when you use it, you'll be shocked how much more you get out from your gum tissue. Uh, But again, that's every 12 hours and a healthy mouth. That's all you need is mechanical removal. Yes. I switched over to the cocoa floss probably about six months ago when I learned that the Oral-B that I love, the glide floss, it just goes in and out super easy, Uh actually has a lot of chemicals in it and is leaving a lot of chemicals in your mouth. And I'm like, that's not cool. So I literally just switched flosses because I didn't want the chemicals. And you're right. The first time I used it, I was like, hold on a minute. How much was in between those teeth? That's disgusting. Right? I had been using Glide as well. And I've missed very few nights of flossing in in a long time. I mean, I I didn't floss regularly until I was 19. And I'm 33 now. So 14 years. And I missed very few nights. And same thing. I started using that Cocoa Floss. And the first time I used it, I looked at Eliza and thought, Oh my gosh. Can you, I can't believe what's coming out with this. It's crazy. And you could go like multiple times and you're like, it just keeps coming out. Like where's it coming from? (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So that, that stuff is great. Yeah. I, I love that stuff. Solid recommendation. You can even get it on Amazon. It's good stuff. Okay. Let's talk a little bit. You mentioned root canals. It sounds like in regards to root canals, that's just the root cause problem that has been kind of perpetuated for years and years and years and years and years. And And then you have a root canal situation. Anything you want to add to the root canal conversation for individuals? Yeah, this is a con- this is a controversial one. Mitch. I know. I'm sorry. And you know me. No, I I like controversial conversations. <laughs> so do they're, I. <laughs> they're more interesting. That's what that's what got got us. A, um, you know, uh, all of our followers were a couple controversial videos. Which the whole point is to educate, right? Not just to stir up drama. But root canal treatment. So if a if a cavity is left in a tooth and goes undetected and progresses all the way through the enamel and then the dentin, which is the inside tissue, and gets to the nerve chamber, then it can cause that nerve to die. And then you have two options because the nerve dies, the tissue necrosis, that nerve tissue, and then it causes a local infection, which then can spread and and cause worse issues. So an infected tooth can become life-threatening, but I mean, most infections can become life-threatening. But a root canal treatment, they get really bad wraps for a, a very, let's just say a lot of the information going around on the internet is false and misleading because these, you know, root canal treatments, these statements of root canal treatments uh, cause cancer are very bombastic and get people's attention. When in reality, there's no evidence. There's, there's no scientific body of evidence that shows that there's that correlation. It's just been some anecdotal stories that get spread like wildfire of like, oh, this person got cancer and they got they had root canal treated teeth and they got the root canal treated teeth out and then they got better. Like, So there are these stories, but that's not good evidence. That's not taking into account all the other systems in the body that are working to either create disease or create health. And so current evidence suggests that Yes, a root canal treated tooth that has not healed and remains, 
you know, infected or cause, continues to cause inflammation, absolutely is putting the rest of the body at risk. Like there's no, I mean, just like anywhere in the body, inflammation, infection, anywhere in the body is going to continue to put the body at risk. However, a root canal treatment that has been done responsibly uh, has healed properly. And we can check that by looking at bone density around the roots. There's no evidence that suggests that the, that tooth is putting the rest of the body at risk at all. And that's controversial because there's a whole group of dentists that are very, um, very natural minded, which I love. But their argument is, well, you can't get all the bacteria out of the tooth and this and that and the other. And it's like, sure, you can't sterilize a tooth in someone's head because <laughs> you can't expose that tooth to extreme heat and pressure to kill everything. But if the bone heals, then that's telling us the body's okay. You know, if the bone heals and forms tightly around the root again, it's because it's, it's in a state of health. So yes, there could still be bacteria and there are still bacteria in that tooth because you can't eliminate them. But that's why we have an immune system. And I would imagine then that something like a 3D cone beam scan or something. Now I'm not a dentist, so I don't know all the imagery and stuff like that. But... No, you're right on. You hit okay, it right on the okay. head. To kind of just see like what's going on with the bone health around those locations I know my my personal experience trying to find somebody that can do a 3D cone beam scan and also understand and interpret it, kind of what you're saying is more of a challenge because they're the individuals who say all root canals are fine. And then other individuals that say, if you have a root canal, take it out, it's killing you. So yeah, <laughs> kind of just saying the middle ground here. I like to sit on the fence, which puts me in a bad place sometimes because I'm in neither camp. But it's like, I think it's more extreme to recommend everybody have surgery when there's no evidence behind it. It's like, if I take a 3D x-ray and I look at that in detail and I can zoom in and measure bone density and I see that everything looks okay, like I'm not going to recommend people undergo surgery and get those teeth extracted and then either live without teeth or then have to get something that's lesser like an implant, which is a great treatment and it's needed, but nothing like the original tooth. Yeah. And it's an epic quest to have a root canal removed and then for all of it to heal oh, and then yeah. to get the implant. And, and it's mu multiple months. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's nine to 12 months Yeah, um, and a lot of costs. I mean, it's, that's a four to $5,000, you know, and then, you know, someone has multiple root canal treated teeth. It's, they could be recommended to take them all out and replace them with implants. And it's $20,000 when you look at the cone beam and there's no signs of inflammation around the teeth. So it's just, I feel like it's very, I feel like it's reckless, honestly. And that that balance needs to be struck between believing the body of evidence and just thinking through it logically and not buying into that fear. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is if you have root canals and there are other issues, it might be worth getting a 3D cone beam scan and having somebody who understands how to look at them kind of determine if it is an issue. But to just say root canal equals removal is short-sighted. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, ex exactly. And, you know, when people also argue, well, why would you leave a dead organ in your tooth or in, in your mouth? You know, the the tooth is dead because the nerve is gone. It's like you have to understand anatomy and histology too. I mean, 99% of enamel is is non-living tissue. It's just crystal structure. And 70% of the dentin is also mineral crystal structure. And then 30, you know, 
uh, less than 30% water. And so when a root canal treatment is performed, it's removing the only living tissue in the tooth and it's just leaving a mineral structure. You know, it's disinfecting the tooth. It's filling it in with a, a natural rubber material to seal everything off. And then you get to keep your tooth, which still functions, I mean, so much better as uh, superb compared to say an implant. Uh, so I, every time would say, I'm going to do root canal treatment if I needed one. If my family member needed one, I'd recommend it and say, and then just get it checked. You know, every, every once in a while, get a 3d scan, make sure it's still looking good that it's, and it's, it's kind of, it's, it's going to have a shorter lifespan. I don't expect root canal treatments to last a person's whole life, but if you can hold on to it for another 10, 20 years, they're going to be better off than just taking it out and putting it implanted. It was January 2023, and I wasn't pooping daily. As far back as I can remember, pooping daily was not something that I was very good at. <laughs> and I was asked to try DSO-1 from Seed, and just a month's worth, somebody offered to send it to me to see what I thought. And I was like, sure, why not? I love taking probiotics. I'm always having one in my rotation. I've seen them be helpful. So why don't I just try this? Five days after introducing DSO-1, I'd pooped four days in a row. And at that point, I set up a monthly subscription. And every time my monthly subscription comes, I'm like, wow, I literally pooped 30 days in a row. I pooped 30 days in a row. I have not missed a bowel movement since that first capsule of DSO-1. Not even when I travel. Ladies, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. When we travel, we're just not pooping. I don't have that problem anymore. And I know ugh, people don't like talking about poop, but it is so incredibly frustrating when you're not eliminating properly. Not only is it terrible for you, but it feels terrible. So if you're looking to try something that has helped me so, so, so much with my bowel movements, head on over to seed.com slash KDP and use the code KDP to redeem 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. That's seed.com slash KDP and use the code KDP. Okay. Okay. So now I might not understand cavities fully and please correct me if I'm wrong. So if, if the enamel is crystal structure, right? And a cavity, is that affecting the enamel or is it affecting something else? Basically what I'm getting at is if you have a cavity, can you reverse that cavity? Because if it's just minerals, can you do, can you do something with this? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So a small cavity you can reverse. Because most cavities start on a microscopically and there's not like a big visible hole. And those can be reversed. Delivering, you know, enough calcium to the teeth will help to, which is a normal body process, will help to remineralize teeth. Our saliva has calcium in it. Like this is a system that naturally works to remineralize teeth. We eat, mouth becomes acidic, enamel breaks down. Saliva comes in, neutralizes everything, delivers calcium, remineralizes teeth. Like it's a natural process. It's pretty cool. That is awesome. So where does fluoride fit into the picture in the standard conventional approach? 
I don't entirely know why what, what fluoride promises to do. Is it to do with enamel structure? I think, right? Because yes. Okay. Okay. So what they're saying is by doing fluoride, then that helps prevent cavities because it's strengthening or keeping the enamel structure okay. Yeah. So fluoride works really for healthy teeth, for teeth that haven't, you know, haven't gotten cavities broken down. And the fluoride, just to make it short, uh, makes enamel 10 times more resistant to acid, which cavities are an acid problem, not a sugar problem. And so make the teeth 10 times more resistant to acid, then they're, you know, we're increasing our defense against cavities. But that has to be at a high enough concentration. Fluoride in our water does absolutely nothing. Um, and that's Except pretty well ruin your thyroid. <laughs> yeah. It's just the only time I recommend fluoride is if someone actually is at risk for cavities. If if they're getting cavities yearly, then I recommend recommend let's do, you know, one to two applications of fluoride, just topical in office um, high strength applications and limit their exposure. Like you don't need to be using a high strength fluoride toothpaste every day. You don't need to be drinking fluoridated water. Let's just deliver it to help strengthen the enamel. And let's do a bunch of other things that are more helpful, like get you enough calcium, look at your diet, get you away from foods that promote an acidic environment in the mouth. Like we have to manage all these other risk factors. Fluoride has been thrown at this cavity problem, this caries disease for decades as like, the savior. Like just throw, use high strength fluoride, all your problems go away. And it's just totally missing the mark. So do you feel like now the health realm using hydroxyapatite or apatite, I don't know how to pronounce it, as a replacement of fluoride is kind of doing the same thing? Or do you think that there's like some strong basis for using it instead of fluoride? They, hydroxyapatite, there's, this is starting, will become controversial hydroxyapatite clinical research shows that it is effective. It doesn't illustrate, you know, it's promoted as a product that can remineralize teeth. However, the evidence shows an increase in density where that cavity was, but it doesn't actually prove that it's remineralizing. And so what's being considered now is hydroxyapatite is this preformed crystal structure of calcium and phosphate, which our teeth and bones are made out of. But if you can think, you know, if you think about this, if you take a, a puzzle and take a couple pieces out of it and then throw the, those pieces back at the puzzle and expect them to reintegrate perfectly, like it doesn't work, right? Like you, you're going to be, it's going to be a one in a million chance. When our teeth start to break down, those crystals are not just like linear. They're very, the patterns are very unique and intricate. So just throwing a bunch of preformed crystals at them doesn't do anything. And so it's like filling in a pothole in the road with sand and rather with than with asphalt. Like if hydroxyapatite was the solution to our problem, we would have it in our saliva, but we don't. We have calcium. You know, we have independent calcium and phosphate. We don't have it pre-linked together in a crystal structure. And, oh, by the way, clinical evidence is based on a, like a 10% strength of hydroxyapatite. Most over-the-counter products are about 2%. So they're not even in high enough concentration to, to move the needle for a lot of these products. Super. Okay, cool. So yeah. <laughs> we've, co we've covered a lot of things. And I'm sure a lot of listeners are like, 
this is all fine and dandy, but I cannot find a dentist like you. I am nowhere close to Idaho. Why don't dentists talk like you? What is the issue? Why are they not addressing root cause? It doesn't have to do with insurance. Like what's going on here that people, dentists don't talk like this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so frustrating, you know, and I don't blame them because I would be in the same position had I not found the people I found and the the communities that I found. Insurance is a big problem. Insurance is like a menu of your op- your dental options, your oral healthcare options. And when they only cover a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a year, which is typical for most plans, and someone walks in with a very diseased mouth with lots of needs, that's not going to cover what they need. And also these some of these better treatments are just plain not covered by insurance. And so there's no incentive for doctors to make that change because they're already overworked. Dentistry of the oral of the healthcare professions has had a reputation for having a highest higher suicide rate. I think the latest news was like seven percent because it's so stressful. Insurance pays less. Um, they only pay for certain things. So then patients get a menu, a limited menu of choices. Um, and so I don't. I'm not blaming them. I'm blaming insurance and the system and how dentistry has evolved to be really driven by insurance. I mean, even in dental school, for example, I was taught. So that's one aspect. Insurance has a grip on the market, has a grip on providers, and then they are less willing to change because to do what I'm doing takes like you have to be willing to drop insurance because it takes more time. And that's really scary for providers. It's really scary. And so that's a big problem too. I mean, our education system is outdated. You know, um, some of these newer concepts, not newer concepts, newer techniques, better ways of doing dentistry are 30 years old. Like the airflow system that I use for biofilm removal for cleanings was developed in 1981. And it wasn't approved to be used in the U.S. until 2019. It's like biomimetic dentistry, which is so much more conservative and longer lasting dentistry that's very chemistry focused. And it's amazing. It's how everything should be done. That was being practiced in 1995. I didn't learn about either of these in dental school. And so that's another huge problem. And then even dental school is often biased by insurance. Like we learn how to do inlays and onlays, which are basically instead of doing a crown, you can remove less tooth structure with only replacing what's missing with an inlay or an onlay. But I, I, we spent very little time on those in school because we were told insurance won't pay for these. Like we're going to focus all of our time on crowns because insurance will pay for those. And oh, by the way, here's how you do this more conservative, better treatment for the patient but insurance isn't going to pay for it. So let's just focus our time elsewhere. It's like, that's in school. And lastly, I had one course in school on cariology or the study of caries disease, but I had four years of learning how to cut teeth down, but I had one course, one three credit hour course on prevention on the disease itself. So it's like, it's so backwards. So those are some of the big problems that are continuing to drive this and prevent oral health care from shifting from a technical art to actually healing our patients. And and that's just hard to get people on board for because it's scary to make that shift. Oh, totally it is. Yeah, 100% it would be for sure. I know I switched my practice over that way and it's terrifying. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's really scary because it's your livelihood and you're stepping out. And so what can... 
what can an individual do that loves their dentist and how can we encourage our dentist? I know that I do every time I go in, I bring some new paper and some new conversation and we're talking about things like how can we encourage our dentists to start taking more of a total wellness approach to dentistry? I think by making more requests, I think two parts, making more requests, becoming educated and saying, hey, I want to learn more about caries disease or can you offer saliva tests so I can actually see what kind of bacteria are in my mouth? So those are those are two things, just asking for more information and then I like what you're doing, bringing them information. And and hopefully you will have a provider that's humble enough that will listen and look at it and, uh, you know, even point him toward, you know, him or her towards my account. And maybe if they're receptive, we've, and we've had plenty of providers that have reached out and said, how do we do what you're doing? Like, how did you find this? I love this. This feels right. So they're out there, but we're just going to have to continue to spread the word, request things from your dentist. And also be willing to, you know, if, if you're willing to pay for the better treatment, if you're willing to say, hey, what do you recommend is best for me? Do I need to come in every three months? Do I need to come in every four months? Like what's going on? How can we be more proactive? Then that will help to shift the mindset of the doctor of like, oh, now this patient actually wants to pay for what's best. Like if you need a crown, for example, saying, can you do an inlay instead? Can you do an onlay instead? I'll pay for it because I want to keep that tooth for longer. Like those requests are going to start to shift mindset when patients take control of their oral health and, and what they want. Because it needs to be, I think it needs to be a consumer driven change. I think it's going to be really hard to change all the practitioners. I think we need to change, see a change in what people are asking um, in order to shift. And that ties so well into how can people find more from you, connect with you, learn from you, where are all the places that they can start to educate themselves. So when they're going into their dentist, if they live really far away from you and you can't be their dentist, um, which I know I would love, um, where can they connect with you to learn more? So our social media at restoration.dentistry, we're most active on Instagram and Facebook. We're not, honestly not active on TikTok because that's a, that's a tough crowd. It is a very <laughs> so, tough crowd. <laughs> they're mean over there. They are. <laughs> so we like Instagram because people actually want to learn. Uh, so that's the best place to go. We have a 160 page guide we created about curing caries disease, which causes cavities. And so that's really helpful if, if you're someone that's getting cavities, has always gotten cavities, go check out that guide. We have some um, some preview downloads that, and that link to that platform where we have all that information is on our Instagram and Facebook. It's a, it's called Stand Store. But then this, is, this has been fun and thanks for letting me talk so much. I'm very passionate about it, but we need a team. Like this is not just, I'm not an island. Like I need people like you that can educate patients on proper dietary habits and the benefits of like a ketogenic diet, how not only it affects their oral health, but it affects their, their brain health, their vascular health. You know, it, it lowers inflammation, does all these things. And we need to work together to be able to heal people and treat people as a whole. So I've, this has been a great opportunity. 
And I love what you're doing. Oh, I love what you're doing. I know when I found you guys on Instagram a couple of months ago, I was like, this is amazing. I need, I need to have Dr. Clayton on the show. So thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and all your clients and all the things to come on and share your brilliance. You're doing great work in the world. And I am a hundred percent on your team, um, educating others. And I love that we got to do this. Oh, that's so kind. Thank you. Thank you. This has just been a, this has been a, such a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed our time with Dr. Clayton. Again, his Instagram is restoration.dentistry and I'll include some links in the show notes about how to connect with him and check out that free guide he mentioned. Okay, I'll see you back here for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Thanks for listening. Join us next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Looking for more resources? Go to healthfulpursuit.com for keto meal plans, weight loss programs, low-carb recipes, and oodles of free resources to get you going. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representation or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program. 